Jai Jai Sitchitanya Jai Anichananda Jai Adveta Chandra Jaya Gaurabhakta Vrinda Jai Jai Sitchitanya Jai Anichananda Jai Adveta Chandra Jaya Gaurabhakta Vrinda Jai Jai Sitchitanya Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. The Sankirtan movement of Lord Chaitanya developed in three different places, in particular in Vrindavan, in Mayapur, in Navadvip Dham, and in Jagannath Puri. Of course, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did a tour of South India and also had an impact there, but his main hubs uh, are found in these three holy dams. Mm. And there, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement developed in different ways. Mm. In Vrindavan, the Goswamis, Srila Rupa, Srila Sanatan Goswami, the six Goswamis, and others, Bhugarabha, Lokanath Goswami, Madhupandit Goswami, um, they were the um, personalities establishing Krishna consciousness. And as we learn, nana shastra vichara naikanipano satayama samstapako, that they scrutinizingly studied Vedic literature to establish the conclusions of the teachings of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, therefore, Vrindavan was the the philosophical stronghold. That's where the, um, the, the theologians, the, the main scholars um, defending Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's philosophy and presenting his philosophy uh, resided. So uh, Mayapur or Navadvip or, or Goda, Bengal, uh, expanding uh, from the Holy Dham to greater circle of influence, uh, was the place of uh, Lord Chaitanya's, uh, of Lord Nichananda's activities. Um, Lord Chaitanya, after sannyas, had publicly revealed his transcendental uh, mood and was now uh, publicly showing everyone uh, his, his love of God and was teaching Krishna consciousness. Um, but upon returning to, to uh, uh, the house of Advaita Acharya, his mother had asked him to, um, 
to go to Jagannath Puri. So therefore, he stayed in Jagannath Puri, and he told Nichananda, I cannot go. I cannot go to Bengal, therefore, I want you to go. And Nichananda went, and along with some devotees, and started to, to preach um, in Bengal. His mode of preaching was especially kirtan, and uh, so many people from so many different walks of life uh, somehow or other became involved. And uh, yeah, it was uh, a very uh, um, ecstatic, uh, uh, ecstatic program. Uh, we remember these descriptions about the kirtans of Lord Nichananda, this group of young boys who were just chanting and dancing and, and not resting or eating for one month. And they became more and more fired up. And by the end of the month, they were so fired up, they ripped entire trees out of the ground. While there, at the same time, there were old men dancing in trees, on the branches of the trees. And they would even dance on the small branches. And they would not, not break. Anyway, so we can see uh, a miraculous level of, of chanting the holy name, a level of overwhelming ecstasy. Um, the one thing obviously missing was, uh, was philosophy. And later on, Naratam and Srinivas brought the works of the Goswamis in, and, uh, and that stabilized the movement in, uh, in Bengal. Um, meanwhile, around the movement of Lord Chaitanya, there was also a lot of wild growth Vaishnavism, uh, Vaishnavism that was not adhering to the bona fide teachings, uh, either of scripture, or the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But still, many of these Vaishnavas in groups were claiming uh, a connection with, uh, with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Um, you know, there are obviously uh, Apasampadayas, uh, the uh, Mm, such apasampadayas uh, refer to some of these groups who were not bona fide. Mm -hmm. Just a moment. So uh, we're really looking looking. Uh, for a moment at, uh, at the work of uh, Sohotra Swami um, on uh, Apasampradaya's just a quick look. Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur spoke of 13 sects that claim to have inherited Lord Chaitanya's mission, but they distort his teachings. Uh, and of course, you know, uh, they were ex especially prominent in Bengal, but uh, their influence is also going to show up in the West. So it is important to, 
get more knowledge about it. And so Swami's writing on it is, is very, uh, is well researched and it is useful. He's speaking about, uh, about Prakriti Sahajas, um, those who imitate the signs of praying pure love while still addicted to the low-class pleasures of illicit sex and intoxication. The Sahajas imagine that they feel the divine emotions of Krishna and his dearest devotee, Srimad Ranarani, yet they don't understand that before we can savor the pleasure shared by Radha and Krishna, we must rid ourselves of lustful desires for sensual pleasures. The word Sahaja means easy. A Prakrita Sahaja wants the bliss of spiritual life without the struggle to attain it. And the word Prakrita means materialistic because the Sahajas forgo the standard disciplines of Bhakti Yoga. The divine love they apparently show never gets beyond material lust. The Prakrita Sahajas mistake lust, the disease of the soul, for spiritual advancement. So instead of curing lust, they wind up cultivating it. Hmm. Um, then a little further. Um, the historian, Bengali historian, uh, Dr. S.B. Das Gupta, uh, the, uh, the Bengali Sahaja movement can be traced back long before the time of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to the reign of the Buddhist Pala dynasty, uh, approximately. AD 700 to 1100. At that time, a secret cult of the name Sahajayan arose within the Vajrayan, the diamond vehicle school of Buddhism. Sahajayan, Buddhists abandoned ritualism and study of scriptures as useless. They practiced a yoga of sex in which they took consciousness to be the unity of the male and female principles, sometimes called upaya and pragya, or karuna and sunyata. The Sajan Buddhists wrote many songs known as charyapats, expressing their philosophy in mysterious language. Later, under the Sena kings, Vaishnavism became ascendant in Bengal with the great spiritual master Jayadev Goswami, won royal patronage for it. The Buddhist Sahajas then absorbed aspects of Vaishnava philosophy and twisted them. They renamed their Upaya and Pragya principles Krishna and Radha, imagining Radha Krishna to represent the highest state of bliss attained by men and women on the Sahaja path. In the 13th century, with the Islamic occupation of northern India and Bengal, the Sahajas were influenced by the practices and philosophy of the Sufis. The word Sufi comes from the Arabic uh, word Saf, meaning sacred, and it uh, signifies a mystical Islamic order of mendicants. Their goal is a state of inspiration called fana, or one is in love with Allah. Sufis seek to attain fana through song and dance. In the Middle Ages, they faced persecution as heretics in Arabic countries, especially because some Sufi preachers announced that they themselves were the very Allah worshipped by all the Muslims. But in India, the Sufis could flourish, not in least because their ideas had much in common with Mayavadi's or impersonalistic philosophy. Mm. 
So the 16th century saw the advent of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement of Sankirtan, congregational chanting of the holy name of God. In a typical social blur, the Sahajas who had arisen from the Buddhists and merged with the Sufis now sang and danced on the fringes of the Sankirtan movement. Then they celebrated their mundane sexual mysticism with song and dance. Well, okay, there's some more, but that gives an idea. Um, so that was also going on. And uh, we see that, uh, that, that over time, more and more influence of this came up and that uh, after the time of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the Sahaja uh, practitioners became uh, quite prominent and uh, and yeah brought the whole name of Vaishnavism into well, into a bad light. Mm. Mm. But Srila Bhakti Vinod Thakur and Srila Bhakti Siddhanta they really uh, made a great effort to restore uh, the proper conclusions and the respectability of the Gaudiya Vaishnavas. And, uh, and Srila Prabhupada, of course, um, distanced himself very clearly and strongly from Sahajism. Um, meanwhile, therefore, we have earlier established that Vaishnavas must come in the line of Sarup Damodar, in the line of Rupa Goswami, in the line of Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami, and then down to Naratam, to Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur, Baladevi, Jabusan, and so on. Anyway, uh, we see, oops, one second. Mm -hmm. Just a moment. CCC for Sampradayas. Okay, so talking about the Sampradayas in general, the um, in the in the Gauraganadesh Deepika, Kavikarnapur is highlighting the that in the Padma Purana there is a quote referring that in Kali Yuga there will be uh, four bona fide sampradaya and he quotes the verse from the Padma Purana. The uh, Gauraganadesh Deepika is uh, published in 1572. Um, it's very important um, for three reasons, the Gauraganadesh Deepika is important. A, it establishes the Panchatattva. B, it explains who is who. And C, it actually lists the Gaudiya Vaishya Sampradaya up to that point. The next time that is done is in the 17th century by Srila Baladevi Jabusan who in his book Prameya Ratnavali, which we will discuss soon, 
also highlights, uh, gives a full list of the Sampradaya up to his time. And the third time that it is done is, is when Srila Bhakti Siddhanta jots it down. Srila um, uh, Bhakti Siddhanta's disciple and Sanya's disciple, Srila uh, Bhakti Raksak Sridhar Maharaj, is, is speaking uh, about the Sampradaya. And he is explaining that it is like a zigzag Sampradaya, that the wherever the light of Mahaprabhu is present, that is the next line. Um, it is oftentimes, the point is raised that in the uh, Brahma Madhva, Gaudiya Vaishnava Sampradaya, um, uh, one of the four bona fide Sampradaya, in, which is the Sampradaya uh, to which Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is belonging. It is uh, Sila Baladevi Jabusan um, makes the case, uh, makes the case for this connection in his book pra Prameya Ratnavali. So before I go there, let me just discuss the four sampradayas. There is the uh, Brahma Sampradaya, uh, there is the Lakshmi Sampradaya, Shiva Sampradaya, and the Kumara Sampradaya. Uh, and uh, the Madhva Sampradaya is the uh, Brahma Sampradaya, and Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, is uh, claiming the connection with that Madhva Sampradaya. Therefore, we're speaking of the Brahma Madhva Gaudiya Vaishnava Sampradaya. Um, the next Sampradaya, the Lakshmi Sampradaya, is also known as the Ramanuja Sampradaya or the Sri Sampradaya, Sri Vaishnav Sampradaya. Uh, Ramanuja Acharya is the principal Acharya. Uh, his commentary is the Sri Basya, and his philosophy is Visist uh, Avetavad, specific monism. Hmm. From Brahma Sampradaya, Madhva is in line from Madhvacharya to Lord Chaitanya. Then, commentary on Vedanta is the Purna Prakibhasya, but one can also, uh, <clears throat> sorry, Madhvacharya, Sudha Dvaitavat, purified dualism. And Lord Chaitanya, of course, comes in with Achincha Beda Beda Tattva, inconceivable oneness and difference. So if Lord Chaitanya is in the Sampradaya, we see that uh, Lord Chaitanya takes it a step further. Um, in the Lakshmi Sampradaya, Ramanuja, the Sri Sampradaya, he is the uh, principal Acharya. Uh, the commentary is the Sri Basya and Visistavetavat is specific monism. Um, the Shiva Sampadaya, also known as Ruda Sampadaya, Vishnu Swami is the, uh, is the speaker. Um, the 
Balava Sampradaya is also recognized there. Um, the next Sampradaya is the Shiva Sampradaya and Rudra Sampradaya sometimes, or Vishnu Swami Sampradaya and also the Vallabha Sampradaya. Vish, the Acharyas are Vishnu Swami and Vallabha Acharya. Uh, the commentaries are uh, Sarvikyabhasya and Sudadvetavad, purified monism. Mm. Okay. We, uh, <clears throat> then the fourth sampradaya is the uh, is coming from Sanakumar. Uh, it's the Nimbarga sampradaya, Nimbadicha sampradaya, Sanakari sampradaya. The scripture is the uh, Parijatas Surab Basio, and uh, yeah, I'd like to see initiations on this. Um, as soon as, oh, sorry, um, I'm falling asleep and I'm going off somewhere in another realm. Uh, so back to that, the Kumara Sampradaya, the uh, Nimbarka is the head, the, his commentary, the Parijata Sarab Basya is the commentary, and the Dvaita Dvaita Vat, monism, dualism. So we see here these four bona fide sampradayas established in the Padma Purana. Later editions of the Padma Purana are not recommending uh, these four sampradayas for the age of Kali. They don't recognize it because there clearly has been some editing there of that particular verse. But in the early version of the Padma Purana, the verse is there and is as such uh, recognized by our Sampradaya. So Kavi Karnapur's reference of the verse is very important. Uh, it makes it authorized. Mm, now, the Brahma Sampradaya or the Brahma Madhava Gaudiya Sampradaya, there are various things going on. We know that uh, the situation in India was not an easy situation with uh, the with Islamic presence. There was a lot of oppression of uh, of the Hindu practices, and one of the things is is that uh, in Islam the uh, it is not allowed to make any image of God or any image of the prophet. Yeah. So, uh, so deity worship is always the sensitive point. And uh, Mohammedans are sometimes referred to as iconoclasts or those who are uh, breaking the deities. Um, on a mission to destroy deities. And so that became a big thing in India, the destruction of deities and temples. And Vrindavan 
is a was a, a place which was really affected by all of this in a serious way. Uh, we see it in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. We, we heard the other day about uh, Lord Chaitanya who didn't want to step on Govardhan to see the Gopal deity that had been erected on Govardhan by uh, Puri, uh, because, And that then by some arrangement the deity came down from the hill because of fear of the Muslims. So many times deities were under threat and all the principal deities that were installed by the Goswamis were moved. Uh, we see in Vrindavan the the Goswami the temples of the first one, Madan Mohan, and we see Radha Damodar, we see Radha Shamasunda, we see Radha Raman, Radha Gokulananda, Radha Govinda, uh, and Radha Gopinath. So these are seven temples, seven Goswami temples in Vrindavan. And the deities were moved from Vrindavan and were taken to Rajasthan. As they were taken towards Rajasthan, they passed by Radhakund and they stayed uh, for a few days in Radhakund. So then, because they stayed there, then in Radhakund later, temples were constructed where copies of these deities, Pratibhu, forms of these deities were installed just so that because the Gaudias they could not bear the idea of, of separation from the deities. Anyway the deities went to Jaipur and uh, and why Jaipur? Because Jaipur was a very important place. Uh, Akbar uh, Akbar was a very influential uh, statesman. Even at a young age of 18 years old, he established himself uh, very forcefully. And, uh, but at the same time, he had some broad-mindedness and he had a, an interest in, uh, in spirituality beyond the sometimes apparent rigidity of, of Islam. He was, in one sense, you could say, a liberal. He was open to, uh, to enter into dialogue with other traditions. Um, there were Jesuits who would come to India on the way to China, and he met with these Jesuits, and the Jesuits had discussions with him about Christianity and uh, and they, he showed so much interest in what they had to say that they thought he, he might become a Christian. Uh, on the other hand, uh, Akbar was, uh, was relying on the support of the um, Rajputs or the kings of Rajasthan. Uh, the kings in Rajasthan who had their, their armies, their military force and so on. These kings, they were uh, support. Hare Krishna. So, um, 
we have to see that uh, it's not that Islam was one united front. Rather, uh, there were many com uh, competing groups. So there were groups. Uh, Afghan, Afghanistan had become captured uh, at an earlier date, even in the, in the ninth century. So Afghanistan became like uh, a launching pet for expeditions into India. We have to understand that India included Pakistan at the time. So basically, uh, on the borders, there were these, uh, there were Afghani groups, and the uh, and they were in competition with the uh, dynasty that was ruling from Delhi. So a pact was made with the uh, kings from Rajasthan that they'd accept the Muslim ruler as the emperor and that they would pay a tax and so on. And, uh, but not only that, they also had a military connection, a connection of, uh, of, of fighting along with Delhi against the outside thread of various groups of Muslims. Yes. So in this way, that, uh, that was going on. Then as, as time went on, after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, um, well, or as, as, as the, we see then that um, the Islamic rulers are no longer so favorable. At one point, there's Aurangzeb, and Aurangzeb, he is like destroying, he's destroying the Radha Govinda temple and takes off four stories of Rupa Goswami's temple because the light uh, that was burning on top of that temple was so bright. Uh, there's a big fire being made on top of the temple and uh, at night, and it could be seen in Agra, 60 kilometers away. Which, and so the Aurangzeb decided to, uh, to destroy that temple. Um, however, at the same time, there still was a pact with Jaipur. Although under Aurangzeb, there was a lot of prosecution and including in Vrindavan, Jaipur was still a safe place because Jaipur had that military pact with the Muslims and they were relying on the armies from, from Rajasthan uh, to fight against competitive Islamic groups. So that gave Jaipur a special status. On the one hand, it was externally aligned with the central Muslim government, and internally, it was just the opposite, a stronghold of Hinduism. Now, for the local king to uh, establish himself as, as the ruler, uh, since we're looking at, uh, at Vedic culture, um, there was a need for support of the Brahmanas. So kings would 
align themselves with certain Brahmin priests who would uh, or would support the government. And in that way, the, the government got practically divine authority. So we're seeing that in the 17th century that Baladev Vijabhusan is um, has been been asked to go to Jaipur because the issue has come up in Jaipur that the king who had aligned with smarter brahmanas right, was uh, Jaipur then became a very orthodox uh, place of, of Hinduism with very high standard of uh, and but predominated by smarter Brahmins. The as we discussed earlier, the smarter Brahmin culture based on Smriti and particularly uh, into Karmakanda with a tinge of uh, of uh, leaning towards Vedanta from Sankarachari, impersonalism and so on. Anyway, whatever was there, um, they had a... Um, the Brahmanas from Galta, which are in the mountains around, uh, around Jaipur. Mm. Jaipur has a natural mountain range with forts on it, so it is a very protected place. Uh, there, in Galta, Brahmanas were Ramanandis, originally claiming some, coming from a connection, uh, claiming a connection with Ram, Ramanuja Acharya. Um, anyway, the uh, Ramanandi Vaishnavas were objecting against the worship of Radha and Krishna because uh, the Parakiyaras, uh, that Srimata Radharani, since she was not married to Krishna, she could not be worshipped alongside with Krishna and should be separated. Therefore, Radha Govinda had to be separated. So the king didn't know what to do. They ordered the king to separate them and the king didn't want to and felt it was wrong, but uh, at the same time, it was very difficult for him to stand up against the Brahmanas. So then he called upon Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur, but Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur was elderly, and to make the whole journey to to Jaipur was uh, was very difficult for him at that age. So he deputed. Uh, Baladev Vijabhusan. Baladev Vijabhusan, he was a very interesting personality. Um, when Baladev Vijabhusan came to the court, then he represented himself as a Godia. Uh, he came to, uh, to defend the Godia conclusion, the Godia Siddhanta. However, the Ramanandi Brahmanas, they said in front of the king, they said, no, how can we enter into dialogue with a Gaudiya 
we don't accept the Gaudias as bona fide because the Gaudias don't even have a commentary on the Vedanta Sutra. Everyone had their commentary, but not the Gaudias. Because the Gaudias accept Srimad Bhagavatam as the, as the commentary on the Brahma Sutta. Um, now, however, uh, they weren't satisfied with that. So they were undermining the... They didn't even want to enter into dialogue with uh, Baladev. But then Baladev pointed out that he was not just a Gaudiya, but that he was an initiated sannyasi in the Madhva Sampradaya. So then they were forced to enter into dialogue with Baladevi Jibhusan. And, uh, and ultimately, uh, then Baladev uh, got some time to uh, present the commentary of the Gaudiya Vaishnavas on the Vedanta Sutra, which he wrote in a very short time, and as mentioned, dictated by the deities, whether that meant uh, from within or whether that meant uh, uh, more than that. Uh, some stories the deities spoke. Uh, we leave that for what it is. Um, but uh, Baladev wrote that commentary, Govindabhasya, which was watertight. And with that, established the worship of Radha and Krishna. And with that, uh, the Jaipur situation was saved. So Baladev Vijabhusan is a very interesting personality um, because he has a foot in both in Madhva Sampradaya and in the Gaudiya Sampradaya. So he is the link. Um, um, <clears throat> it is said that in the, uh, especially in the 16th and 17th century, it became uh, important. Uh, it became important. So many Vaishnav Sampradayas came up and the authenticity of these um, Sampradayas was questioned. And uh, to, to derive proper authority, each of the Sampradayas that existed at the time, such as, okay, the Gaudiyas, such as the Vallabha Sampradaya, uh, they all needed to connect to one of the four bona fide Sampradayas mentioned of the age of, of Kali. So, Baladev established the connection between uh, <clears throat> between Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Madhvacharya. And, uh, and in that way, uh, the, in a book called the Prameya Ratnavali, I'm just going to open it up. Just a moment. 
So the Pramayarat Navali is a book where Baladev is establishing that the nine Prameyas or the nine philosophical theses from uh, Madhva Acharya are also upheld by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So um, he says, Krishna is the supreme, Prameya one, first Prameya. Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead. Prameya two, the supreme personality of Godhead is known by study of the Vedas. Prameya three, the material world is real. Prameya four, the jivas, living entities, are different from Lord Vishnu. Prameya five, the jivas, living entities, are by nature the servants of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Prameya 6. In both conditioned and liberated states, the jivas are situated in higher and lower statuses. Prameya 7. Liberation does not mean an impersonal merging, but the attainment of direct association with Lord Krishna. Prameya 8. Pure devotional service grants liberation. And Prameya 9. Direct perception, logic, and Vedic revelation are three sources of actual knowledge. Um, and of course, of the three, Sapta Praman is, or Vedic revelation, that is the, uh, the real evidence. Uh, I won't believe it until I see it with my own eyes. But our own, own eyes are prone to mistakes. Mm. Our own eyes may not always see things properly. Therefore, can we really trust our eyes? Not 100%. Logic is also there. Anuman, the example is given. The sun, uh, the sun may look uh, relatively small in the sky, like a small disk. But of course, that is because of its distance. The sun is actually enormous. So we can understand that, you know, that due to the distance, the sun looks smaller, uh, but that in reality, the sun is large. So Anuman is, or logic, is another element to, uh, to verify what is, uh, what is factual, what is realistic. So Pramana and indirect perception, logic and Vedic revelations are three sources of actual knowledge. <clears throat> So we can see that these Prameyas of Madhvacharya are completely in line with, uh, with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings. I'll read a little bit from Prameya Radhavali. All glories to Lord Govinda, who is known as Gopinath and Madan Gopal. By his mercy, I shall now speak this excellent and subtle book, Prameya Ratnavali, Jewels of the Vaishnav Philosophy. We pray that we may develop in intense, constant devotion for Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Lord Nityananda Prabhu, and Lord Advaita Prabhu, the controllers of all religious activities. They are pleased even with the dim reflection of devotional service. The chanting of their holy names deliver the entire universe. All glories to Srila Madhvacharya Swami, the abode of transcendental happiness. Those are learned and intelligence glorifying, but he is like a boat which enables the conditioned soul uh, to cross beyond this realm 
of repeated birth and death. A discriminating person pleases Lord Hari by remembering the faultless disciplic succession of bona fide spiritual master who enable one to the perfection of unalloyed devotional service. The Padma Purana explains, unless one is initiated by a bona fide spiritual master in the disciplic succession, the mantra he, ma he might have received is without any effect. We know that. For this reason, four Vaishnav disciplic succession inaugurated by Lakshmi Devi, Lord Brahma, and Lord Shiva and the four Kumaras will appear in the holy places of Jagannath Puri and purify the entire earth during the age of Kali. Lakshmi Daisy chose Ramanujacharya to represent her disciplic succession. In the same way, Lord Brahma chose Madhvacharya. Lord Shiva chose Vishnu Swami, and the four Kumaris chose Nimbarka. And then he gives the names. Um, and he gives the names from Krishna, Narada, Vyas, Madhvacharya, Papanava, Narari, Madhva, Aksobhya, Jayatir, Gyana, Sindhu, Dayaniri, Vijaniri, Rajendra, Jai Dharma, Puri, Sotam, Brahmanya, Vyasatirta, Lakshmi, Pati, Madhavinda, Puri, Iswara, Puri, Advaita, Prabhu, and uh, Nichananda, Prabhu, who were all disciples of Madhavinda, Puri. We worship Iswara, Puri's disciple, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, uh, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who delivered uh, the entire universe by granting the gift of Krishna Prem, pure love of Krishna. Okay, so then Madhavaracharya taught that Lord Vishnu is the absolute truth that than whom nothing is higher. Two, he's known by study of the Vedas. Three, material world is real. Four, the jivas, living entities, are different from Lord Vishnu. Five, the jivas are by nature servants of Lord Vishnu's lotus feet. Six, in both the conditioned and liberated conditions, jivas are situated in higher and lower status. Seven, liberation does not mean an impersonal merging, but the attainment of Lord Vishnu's lotus feet. Eight, pure devotional service grants liberation. Nine, direct perception, logic, and Vedic authority, the three sources of action knowledge. These are the same truths also taught by the Supreme Personality got it in his appearance as Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Um, Lord Vishnu's supremacy is described in the Gopal Tapani Upanishad. Therefore, Krishna is the supreme absolute truth and nothing is higher than him. One should meditate upon him, chant his holy names and worship. Um, Then, in the Sveta Sutara Upanishad, this is confirmed. When one understands the Supreme Personality of Godhead, then the ropes of illusion which will bind one who, <clears throat> sorry, bind one to this material world becomes cut. The material miseries ends and the repetition of birth and death and the cycle of transmigration also ends. By constantly remembering the Supreme Lord, at the time of death, one attains the fully opulent spiritual world far beyond the touch of matter. 
and all his desires become fulfilled. In this way, he directly perceives the Supreme Personality Godhead, uh, than whom there's nothing higher to be known. So, then he quotes some other verses from Bhagavad Gita, supporting all this. Um, this book, Prameya Ratnavali, is an interesting book, and whenever we speak about matters of Sampradaya, then we see that really Baladev makes the, makes the connection, makes a philosophical connection with, uh, yeah, with, uh, between the Gaudias and the Madhvas. And uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur takes this same Pramaya Ratnavali, but he adds, uh, he adds one particular tattva, which is Rasa tattva. So then he speaks about the Dasamula, the ten root truth of Chaitanya Maha's teachings. So pointing out that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is also highlighting this Rasa Tattva is something which Madhva has really avoided. Uh, Madhva has established that Lakshmi, or who is the consort of the Lord, is not eternal, but that rather that Lakshmi is Jiva. And that therefore the position of Lakshmi is temporary and he doesn't have that concept of uh, of the eternal concept of the Lord. Ramanuja does have um, uh, Lakshmi as the eternal concert of Narayan. Therefore, uh, some feel that we are closer to uh, to Ramanuja than to Madhvacharya. However, um, I take it that Madhvacharya certainly knew about Ras Tattva, but Madhvacharya, uh, who was an incarnation of Vayu, who was extraordinary, he was initiated when he was five years old, he took sannyas when he was 11 years old, and he's so learned, so powerful, physically powerful. I mean, such an empowered personality. What can be said? Um, Madhvacharya was uh, extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary. Um, but he was, he was Vayu. He was the wind god. And so he knew that he was not able to present Rasa Tattva on the same level as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would be able to do so. Therefore, he, he just left that. He left that for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And that is how we see the Dasamula Tattva. Now Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is coming, teaching the same nine Prameyas, but plus one. And he's teaching uh, in detail uh, through, uh, through the Acharyas, such as uh, Rupa Goswami, um, this, uh, this matter mm -hmm. of Rasa Tattva. 
Anyway, so that is quite quite interesting, I think. Yeah, so um, there are there are many more matters of Sampradaya. Um, and there's one more point that I want to make. We can look at the connection between Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu from a philosophical perspective or from a historical perspective. Historically, we claim the connection comes through uh, Madhvacharya. It is uh, it's very interesting that when we see um, the list of the Acharyas as recorded in the uh, in the Mat of Madhva, of Madhvacharya, that we find that they, whatever is there in the Udupi Mat, as the line of disciplic succession, it doesn't at all conform, sorry, it doesn't at all conform with, uh, with the records that we have, with the list that we supply on the first page of the Bhagavad Gita. How is that? Our line of Acharyas coming down from Madhva doesn't add up with the line that comes, that is in the records of Udupi. Um, what we find, we find that the Bengali historian Bibi Majundar has come up with an interesting point. He points out that there was a branch that split off from the main mud in Udupi, and that was the branch of Belgom. And that when we follow that line of Belgom, uh, that split of branch, then we find that the names correspond. Yeah, some names are a little given a little different, but overall they correspond um, with, uh, with the version of the Parampara as we know it. So uh, that is also interesting. Um, so historical and philosophical link. Now the philosophical link is established, as I said, by Baladev Vijabhusan in his Pramaya Ratna Valley. But um, then we see that Jiva Goswami in his uh, Sandarbhas is also giving a commentary on the Chatu Sloki of Bhagavatam. And, uh, and basically, which is meant to be included in any commentary, and by doing so, he's basically commented on, on, the, on the Bhagavatam. So, Jiva Goswami, in, in that commentary, is, uh, is hardly turning to Madhva. Uh, he is turning whenever he can to Ramanuja or any other possibility and only last resort, last resort. This case is made by Radhika Raman, Ravi M. Gupta. What's the book called again? Vedant, uh, oh gosh, I mean, one sec, I have to quickly look. I forgot the title of his book. Um... I have it here in the Kindle books. 
Krishna, Krishna. So, oh, Chaitanya Vaishnav philosophy. Okay, I have to go home. I just lost the title page. Come on. Chaitanya Vaishnav philosophy, tradition, reason, and devotion, edited by Raviam Gupta. So that is our Radhika Raman, and this is his, that he did, tent, um, because the work that is done by these uh, Vaishnava scholars is of, uh, of great significance to us. The work of these Vaishnava scholars is, um, is basically claiming our Sampradaya. When they are doing a study on, on a particular acharya, and they do it in a critical edition, no one's going to touch that anymore. Uh, that is done. Yeah, that's just something done. Uh, a critical edition requires so many hours, so much work put in, in verifying facts, and uh, no one else is going to try. When it's thoroughly done, no one's going to try and overthrow it. That is how it works. So in this way, these scholars are little by little claiming our sampradaya. We're seeing, seeing that, uh, we're seeing that, uh, for example, um, uh, our scholars have uh, written on Baladev Vijabhusan and uh, they have written on Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, Tamal Krishna Maharaj as the secretary, wrote on Prabhupada. And in this way, um, little Bhakti Vinod Thakur has been done, by, the Manu Samhita has been done by our Sampradaya. So gradually there is a whole body, uh, a whole volume of work which has been uh, published by our, our scholarship. And in this way, it's very important what has been done. The Gaudiya Vaishnav, the scholarship, studying the Gaudiya Vaishnavas, is, uh, is yes, we find uh, who in... Uh, in, in early Indology is mapping out the whole movement of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in his, uh, and, and, and other early Bengali scholars who have mapped out some British. We find that in Chicago, there is a school of three generations, uh, his magnum opus, is a translation 
uh, of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, uh, the Harvard edition, and with his editor, a Sanskrit editor, as Tony Stewart, who subsequently, who did his thesis on the biographies of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and who then wrote a book on the Chaitanya Charitamrita called The Final World, The Final Word. I think tomorrow I could start uh, by commenting on the, the final word and, uh, and showing how that book has uh, what its merits and, uh, and its limitations are. Uh, in that way, uh, we can continue because now the time has again passed. And so, uh, little by little, our discussion continues. And as you can see, you know, we're constructing gradually uh, a lot of background information. And that's the idea that uh, we can gradually start to look um, at the Chaitanya Charitamrita from uh, the perspective of all this background information or look at our Sampradaya. And in this way, um, we can thoroughly understand our identity. Uh, the Chaitanya Charitamrita provides us with identity, a temporary identity in this world as Gaudiya Vaishnavas, practitioners in, in Sadhana Bhakti, and a permanent eternal identity by, through that process of Sadhana Bhakti, awakening that eternal identity in, as a Parishad, as an eternal associate of Krishna. Uh, so, in the course of that, it is... Uh, it is, it is good to thoroughly understand the Sampradaya that we are part of. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita Ki Jai. Hare Krishna.